Welcome, welcome all of you, Homer Glenn, New Lenox, Orland Park Online. Really, really glad to have you guys with us, every one of you. Thank you for being with us. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, you, if you haven't seen my post today on social media, I just got to go ahead and say I was playing a joke, okay? Uh, the Tooth Fairy, if you follow me on social media. Um, Charlie, uh, the Tooth Fairy was normal, okay? Uh, totally normal. And uh, Charlie's picture with the $50 bill was just a joke. He doesn't even know what it was. And uh, I, I just had fun with it. And, and my caption, I said, hashtag I am a liar, hashtag I am Aaron Rodgers. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Thank you. Eat the veal. Okay, so the Bible is something that we consider inspired by God. Okay, that is why we preach from it and why we encourage you to read it every day. It is a love letter from the creator of the universe. Nothing could be more important, but it's good to make sure that you get the verses right. Okay, a cake decorator uh, who didn't know the Bible very well was asked to inscribe 1 John 4.18 on a wedding cake. Unfortunately, the decorator didn't know the Bible very well, didn't know that there was a, that John wrote a gospel and also some letters, okay? So instead of putting, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out our fear, which would be a perfect thing to write on a wedding cake, she wrote, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband, from the Gospel of John, okay? Nobody saw it until they got to the reception. It's really important to get it right, but it's also important not to change it. The, the problem is a lot of people take the Thomas Jefferson approach to uh, the Bible, okay? Great statesman, an important part of our country's history, but he had wacky ideas about the Bible. Thomas Jefferson thought that he could pick and choose what parts of the Bible he wanted to take seriously. This is a true story. So the parts that he didn't like, he simply cut out of his Bible. And he pasted the Bible back together, okay? Obviously, he was a slave owner, did not necessarily treat the indigenous people well either. So basically what he did is he created the Jefferson Bible, literally cutting out pieces he didn't like. He thought, I don't believe this, so I'm cutting that out. Well, this doesn't sit well with me, so I'm cutting that out. And I guess that's what he thought of a holy Bible. I don't know. I don't know what he had going on, but I'm not making this up. This is an actual picture of the Jefferson Bible. You can see exactly what he did. He literally cut the pieces out he didn't like, okay? And we've been talking about money management and, and how to deal with our finances over the last couple of weeks here. And what a lot of people don't realize is that if you took Jefferson's approach and cut out the parts of the Bible that talked about money or possessions or finances, you'd be cutting out a lot of the Bible. Again, 275 verses on prayer, very important. 350 verses on faith, very important. 650 verses on love, but 2,350 verses that relate directly to finances and material possessions. It is the single most talked about subject in the Bible. It would be hard to cut all of that out. So, so we've been talking about 10-10-80, which is a great approach. I love the 80s. And on the way in, if you're wondering, I mean, I'll talk some more about it. Hopefully you got your credit card on the way in. I love the 80s. We gave every one of you this. If you didn't get it, get it on the way out because we made enough for everybody. And we want it to be something that you stick in your pocket to try to remember that you should really live on less than you make. Okay? And we go, we're going with the 80s because it, it makes sense. The Bible says give 10%. And, and then we came up with save 10% because that's going to be important and live on 80, okay? And the problem is, as I've said before, it's a Buffett problem, right? We have too much Jimmy Buffett and not enough Warren Buffett going on, and we got to get a hold of that. 
And why is that so important? Why is all this so important? It's because Jesus knows that where your treasure is, your heart is also going to be. Okay? Where your treasure is, your heart is also going to be. God's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart, but they are inexplicably tied together. So let's talk about the give 10 part today, okay? Uh, Old Testament teaches tithing uh, under the Old Covenant, which we aren't uh, under anymore. The tithe was not a suggestion. And again, uh, we are not under the covenant anymore. Uh, I talk about a lot of things that are not applicable from the Old Covenant, but the principles of them are the same. Like the Sabbath, for example, the principles are the same. All right, you know, don't, don't lie. That was an old covenant, but you know, it's still a good idea with a new covenant. And the tithe was, was not a, a suggestion. It was a guideline. Everybody was supposed to give 10% back to God. Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. And the importance of giving back to God goes all the way back to the early history of mankind. When Adam and Eve had two children, Cain and Abel, And Cain and Abel brought sacrifices to God, except Cain just brought some fruits, you know, some bruised red delicious apples that nobody eats anymore, and some old mangoes. I don't know what he brought, but God wasn't real happy about it. And Abel brought the firstborn of his flocks, and God was happy. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And it made Cain so mad, he ended up murdering his brother okay so he had other issues as well but in other words God is looking for sacrifice when you give I love watching my children give I love seeing them get letters from compassion or world vision in the mail with the names of their kids that they uh, that they supported overseas they were involved in missions projects they tithed to the church as well it's one of those things that made me proud as a father and I Don't look at their finances anymore. They're grown up, but I bet they still do. And you're a child of God, and I firmly believe that your heavenly father feels the same way about you when he looks at your life and sees that you are generous. And the strongest teaching comes from the book of Malachi, where we see that God has this, uh, you know, he's upset with the Israelites because they haven't been doing a very good job. And he yells at him a little bit, but also he throws a promise at him. And I'll leave the yelling out because we're not under the old covenant, but I want you to hear this promise because I think it's important. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. For those who do it, he says, I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops, says the Lord Almighty. And then all nations, what will they call you? They will call you blessed. All the nations will call you blessed. This is what we want to be. We want to be blessed. How does that happen? In partnership with God. Notice God's word says bring it. It doesn't say give it because it's not ours in the first place. You bring the tithe back to the storehouse and and into the storehouse. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of where you are fed. You worship God in a local community where there is spiritual food. That there may be food in my house and other people can be fed. Now, here's what gets me every time when I read this passage, and I've lived this my whole life. I'm I'm living proof of it. He says, test me. It's the only place, trust me, I've read the whole Bible. It's the only place where God says, you can test me on this if you want to. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing that you will not be able to contain it. Are you worthy of more blessings? He says, if you're faithful with little, I will give you more. 
And, and while the Old Testament taught us tithing, the New Testament teaches us generosity. In New Testament, Jesus himself even commends the tithe. i got to put this back in there. This is from what made Jesus mad a couple of years ago. Woe to you, Pharisees, <clears throat> because you give God a tenth of your mint and your rue and all other kinds of garden herbs. They were being legalistic about the tithe. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Okay? They were literally tithing these little seeds, so they made sure that they followed the law exactly, but they were neglecting the important stuff. And Jesus says, how about you don't worry about straining the gnats out of your wine so you don't eat unclean stuff and start worrying about justice and mercy? He says, what if you stop worrying about getting the exact right amount of the seeds into the offering plate and just be generous? And later in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, remember this, whoever speaking of seeds sows sparingly, plants sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Don't worry about how he'll bless you. TV preachers will tell you it's going to be money. I don't know what it's going to be, okay? The principle is true. It might be making stuff last longer. It might be in health and relationships. I mean, think about it. Would you rather have God's blessing on your finances if you had to choose between your relationships or your finances or your health or your finances? I mean, there's, a, there's some things that are more important than money, right? Plus, you know, <clears throat> God's going to take care of it. I always loved that old sign along the country road that said, George Jones, veterinarian slash taxidermist. Either way, you get your cat back. Right? I mean, God, let's let God take care of it. Now, Paul said again, now about the collection, I love this because we're doing it exactly right. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. I mean, you can cut all this out of your Bible if you want to, but you're missing the point. And I love this part so that no collections will have to be made. Maybe you're new here and it hadn't occurred to you that we don't pass an offering plate here. I mean, that wasn't a COVID thing. We stopped doing that years before COVID happened. We don't want to make you, if you're a visitor, we don't want to make you feel uncomfortable by having a plate go by in front of you. We switched to online giving a long time before COVID, and thank God we did because you guys were very faithful during all that time when we couldn't meet together. But one of the things that you can do to help you move towards I love the 80s is get involved in online giving. It's super easy. You log on to our website and you'll see an icon on the very front page that says online giving. And it'll help you to automate it like you do everything else, right? Most of us do our giving online. If there's somebody that doesn't have automated giving, I almost don't want to sign up for them. You know what I'm saying? I almost don't want it to happen. But if you want, there are kiosks at every one of our campuses in the, in the lobby. You can do it online. There's an offering bucket thing out there and a place where you can do it. Um, and, and I, you know, I was like, I was curious. I was like double-checked. I want to see how easy it is because for years I've just had it 
be an automatic thing from my own checking account. I don't even do it through our bank. I do it through mine. But I had our executive pastor, Bill Brown, show me how to do it in our online portal. And it's even easier than it was before. He showed me how to have, how he has the money taken out of his checking account. And he kind of inspired me. And I took his advice. I took his advice on it. So now every week I've instructed them to automatically take my offering out of Bill's checking account. And I'm... <laughs> I'm loving it, man. It's awesome. God loves a cheerful giver, and I'm very cheerful. And I, and I joke around, but the truth is, do I really have an account? I mean, it's really the same thing, isn't it? When I'm giving, am I really giving from my account? Everything I have came from God. I mean, I mean, this, this promise here is kind of crazy to me. I mean, if... if If God said, hey, if you pray every morning at 6 a.m., see if I will not throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing that you will not be able to contain it, that your vats will brim over with new wine. We'd probably all do it a lot. Maybe not every day, but we do it a lot. If he said, eat peanut butter every day, we'd do it. If he said, wear the special Mormon underwear every day and I will bless you, we would probably all have it on underneath. But but give money, PT, I don't know about that. I'm feeling a little more like Thomas Jefferson. Listen, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We want to cut that, we want to Jefferson that out of our Bible sometimes, but it's really hilarious to me because this is just two verses after One of the most famous verses that people have tattooed on them all over the place. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. A lot of you have heard that verse before, but if you keep going, it's the one about honoring the Lord with your wealth. A lot of people have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tattooed or have a little plaque or whatever, but I don't know anybody that has 6, 7, and 8 on their arm, right? I don't know anybody that says, honor the Lord with your first fruits right there on my arm. So why? Why aren't we more generous? Well, obviously, one is a lack of financial planning, and I really think that's the big one. It's, it's not really our hearts. It's the problem that in, in 2005, America stopped acting our wage, if you will, right? 2005 was the first year in our country's history that Americans spent more than they made. And, of course, we saw how that went, right? I, I mean, if that's where you're living, 101080 is out the window, Money for giving or money for saving has become the impossible dream. And what's happened is that the American way has come to take care of ourselves first, to save if we had any room for it, and then give only as a last result, as a last resort. And as with anything in life, if we will get our priorities flipped back around again and love the 80s and do the 10-10-80 and seek first his kingdom... And his righteousness, Matthew 6.33, which is also tattooed on a lot of people, then all these things will be added unto you. Another reason we aren't more generous is we're suffocated by debt. I mean, it it, kind of goes together. But I believe that Christians want to give more to the church. I believe that they want to practice generosity, but for most, it's the stifling stranglehold of debt. Personal debt restricts our ability to give generously. 
And I've actually never believed that more strongly than I do today. I believe debt is the number one obstacle. It's the number one obstacle in fulfilling the great commission of Jesus right now. It's debt. It's not where are the workers, it's where's the money. Oh, well, it's all tied up in debt. How much more could the kingdom advance if, if Christians didn't have so much? And I know some of it's not our fault, okay? I know I'm talking to a wide array. I don't even know where all of you are today. Debt came from unforeseen circumstances or medical emergencies or unexpected divorce or an unplanned pregnancy or, or, or whatever. But a lot of it, let's just be real, is our fault. And it's hard to give when you can barely make the minimum payments on your credit card bills. And it's really... Tithing is out of the question when your mortgage adjustable rate changes to the real number and all of a sudden you don't have the money to pay for it. This is why the wisest man in the world said the borrower is a servant to the lender. And I just want want to tell you, it's where a lot of people live. If you're in debt, you've got to set a strategy. I've said this every week. You've got to have a plan for getting out of debt. But I want to encourage you to encourage Include the Lord in your plans. If you're a believer, I want to encourage you to include the Lord first in your plans. Some would say, well, that's ludicrous. By giving to the Lord's work, I'm making my financial situation worse. And I would say, I don't know who your God is, but that's not the God I know. Because if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he's the one who spoke the universe into existence, it's not a challenge for him to expedite your debt reduction strategy if he knows that you want to honor him. And if you need help, we want to help you. Financial peace to 65649. We want to help. We're going to have Financial Peace University classes in in January. We've got people that will help you. We want to help you, okay? Don't try to do this on your own. We have resources for you. We want to make it easy for you. But if I can be honest, in my life, the reason I don't do better at my generosity probably comes down to a lack of faith. We can make our list of reasons why we don't give, but if we aren't taking some baby steps to moving closer towards giving by percentage and we're holding back and surrender to God, it comes back to one simple question. It's faith. And here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Do I believe that 90 cents plus God will go farther than 100 cents and me? It's the life of C that I talk about a lot. I won't write it up for you this time, but basically A to B. B is retirement. B is your goals. It's your you know, fidelity path, They're trying to get you to the right place, or one of, those, one of those ads on TV where it's like, I want to be at this place someday. That's B. And what I've learned is that if you invite God into the equation, B changes completely, and God wants to take you to C. He wants to take you to a place that's so much immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. That's what he promises us. So do I trust that when I give my first fruits to God, that he can meet all of my needs, my emotional, my spiritual, my relational needs, and make up the difference in my bank account? Yeah, I do. And while it may feel that I'm telling you that God wants your money, again, it's not true. God wants your heart because 
where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And this is really important. This does not, these are the words of Jesus, and this is the order. This does not say where your heart is, your treasure will be. I mean, that's also true, right? If you have kids, <laughs> right? I mean, and even I was thinking about this week, you know, I mean, I used to know what was going on in the Mokina school system, and I used to know what was going on in the Lincoln Way school system when my kids were there, because my heart was there, so, and my treasure was there also in taxes, and I wanted to know what was going on. And then my kids went to college, they went to, they went to Wheaton College and Belmont College and Biola University, and while my treasure was there, uh, you know, my heart was there, and my treasure was there, but you know what? My heart's not there anymore. And when they send me fundraiser letters, I throw them in the trash. Because I gave them enough money already. Can I get an amen? Okay. It's just, it just doesn't go together anymore. And, and my point is, maybe, maybe when we give our treasure, not maybe, it's what Jesus said. When we give our treasure, our heart follows it. It's not when our heart is there, maybe our treasure will follow along. Sometimes we have to take the first step. And let me be clear on this. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, that's what he wants. If you've never said, I want to belong to the Lord, then do that today in your heart right now. Say, I want to belong to the Lord. I want you to have my heart. And then allow him to make the changes, whatever they might need to be. But you're going to have to trust him. I think about this a lot. There's a story in the Bible that it's just another one of those little Jesus moments. I may write another book about odd Jesus moments, you know, that, that like I don't even know what you do with them. But like, what did you, where did Jesus get his money? Do, do, do you ever study this? Okay. Because in the first place, he, he didn't need money. I mean, he had no place to lay his head. He had no Buffett problem. Really, either way, he lived simply. He lived with nothing. He did have a, they did have a treasury, and Judas was the treasurer, and they gave money to the poor, and they took their expenses out of it because they didn't have a, a, a credit card for that. But there was one time when the religious punks were bugging Jesus about taxes, and Jesus said to his disciples, but, okay, look, I shouldn't have to pay taxes because I'm the son of God, you know, I shouldn't have to pay temple tax because I'm the son of God, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line and take the first fish you catch and open its mouth, and in it you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Jesus literally made money. Do you see that? And I hope Peter went into the temple and just threw the fish down, you know? And just like boom, and then the coin popped out, and he goes, here's your, here's your temple tax, you, you, you people. I mean, but literally, I mean, kids, when your parents say, do you think money grows on trees? You're going to say, no, it comes from a fish. I read it in the Bible. Think about this. Jesus, God said, give the first fruits and watch me throw open the floodgates. And Jesus proved it by making money come out of a fish. So the real question is, do you really believe that God is in charge of the universe? And are you willing to take that step of faith? Listen, I'm not a fundraiser. I'm a faith raiser. That's what's important to me. And some of you have never given at all, so uh, like 10% sounds crazy, it's a brand new concept to you, that's not, that's not important. What is your next step in growing to trust God and become a more generous person? That is my question. 
What is your next step? I think it's to start giving regularly. Others of you give from time to time when you think about it or when there's a little extra around. But it's not something you prioritize or, or, or make it regular. It's kind of like a tip for you. Sometimes, you know, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Other, others may be regular tithers, okay, and have been faithfully and regularly for a long time. But if we're truthful, 10% really doesn't stretch us much anymore. What about you? Listen, I don't want any of you to feel guilty. I want to go back to that question. What is your next step? towards trusting God more and being more generous. God wants us to to give out of a sense of gratitude for what he's done and a desire to pay it forward by investing in his kingdom and his church to reach others with the gospel, to let them know that they are loved by the Father. So I don't know where you stand on this path of generosity that I just described, but here's some suggestions on how to take the next step of faith, okay? For some of you, it will be give a first-time gift. If you have never given to the work of Jesus through his local church, make a decision that today you're going to give for the first time. That's a huge step, and that will honor God. And my goal out of this is to hear that we have a ton of new givers. doesn't matter how much, just to have a ton of people who said, you know what, God, I haven't been doing this, and I'm going to do this. Maybe a step for you is to become a regular percentage giver. If you've been giving but the frequency's not really there, then sign up on online giving and, and, and decide that you're going to give more than Starbucks, okay? Figure out how much you spend at Starbucks and go, you know what, I'm going to give God more than Starbucks. And when you nail Starbucks down, either by stopping Starbucks or by giving more, then you work up to a next goal. And you work up to, uh, maybe I'm going to work on my cable bill. Some of you spend more at Starbucks than you do your cable bill. So whatever works for you, I understand, okay? Maybe you're going to work up to your car payment. Maybe you can work up to your house payment. Maybe you can work up to a tithe at some point. But keep taking a step of faith and set a percentage and make it happen. Take a step, okay? What's your next step in trusting God and becoming more generous? It's not about the amount. It's about the step, okay? Maybe... The next thing for you is to become a real sacrificial giver. Some of us have been giving on autopilot and not really thought too much beyond all of that in worship and sacrifice, and it's time for us to pray through what is a real sacrificial gift. So maybe it's give a first-time gift. Maybe it's become a regular percentage giver. Maybe it's become a sacrificial giver again or for the first time, whatever. And I want to encourage you, just try it for three months. I used to have cards for people to do and stuff. I, I just want to, you know, this is between you and God. We're, we're doing great in the finance department here. We, we act our wage at this church. We spend less than we take in. So whatever happens, we figure it out. Could we do more? Absolutely. But we're not in some kind of a financial campaign. I'm in a faith campaign for you. Believe me. And let me reiterate the first fruits idea. Okay? You set it up first. You do that first. 
For those of you who are married or in a relationship, how would it feel if at Christmas you came down, you and your significant other, uh, you walked in and, and, and you threw down an unwrapped junkie gift on their lap and said, here you go. How do you think they would like that? Put yourself on the other side. What, what, if, you're, what, if, you're, what if your spouse or, or whatever came down and said, hey, uh, here's your gift. I wanted to get you something real nice, but after I bought everything I wanted, this is all I could afford. It's better than nothing. I'll see what's left over next time I get paid, and maybe I can get you something again. How does that feel, right? The principle of first fruits is about relationship priority and is a way of reminding ourselves who comes first in our lives and where our blessings come from. They don't come from us. They come from him. And that, again, is why I'm giving you this credit card, all right? I'm giving you this credit card so that every time you are tempted, and, and you, I don't know what you're going to do with Amazon. That's your own problem. Every time you're tempted to pull out the credit card and, and, and make a purchase, I want you to keep this right up on the front, okay? Driver's license, credit, you know, that this I love the 80s credit card, my staff swipe in, and of course Costco. God bless us, okay? Here we go. So every time I open up my wallet, whatever I'm doing, there it is, okay? I see, oh, yeah, I love the 80s. Wait a minute. Am I trusting God? Am I generous? Is whatever I'm going to pull out of here to do whatever I'm going to do with it, making me trust God and be generous or not, and what am I going to do about it? Because it's not your account anyway. Remember that. My favorite story on this is the woman at the airport. bought. <laughs> you've heard me tell us you've been around here, but it's so perfect. Uh, she, she bought a, a book and a pack of cookies to spend time while she waited for her plane, right? She's deep into her book, and suddenly she realizes that there's a young man sitting next to her who is stretching out his hand with no concern whatsoever and taking a cookie from her cookie bag. And, and, and she kind of looks at him, and she goes back to her book, and she takes a cookie. And, and they go back and forth on this, you know, for a little while, and she keeps taking a cookie, and he keeps taking a cookie, and it gets down, and there's one cookie left, and she wonders what he's going to do. And he just smiles at her, and he reaches over, and he takes the cookie, and he breaks it in half, and he gives her half of it. And she grabbed her stuff, and she got off, and she steamed all the way to her flight. And she boarded the plane, and she took her seat, and she took her book out of her bag and was totally surprised to find her pack of cookies sitting in there. <laughs> because she'd been eating his cookies all along. Okay? Isn't that great? So my question is, do you really believe that? And in keeping with I Love the 80s, I made a video of skydiving uh, when we were doing a financial campaign called Daring Faith uh, a few years ago. It's just perfect on this subject. Here you go. Would you stand with me? I'm going to close this out. I just got to say again, it was really cold. It makes me cold to watch that. It was 39 degrees. That was in March, and it was the first jump of the season. I made it look like it wasn't that bad, but it was. Look, you guys, whatever it is God's asking you to do, take a step. Are you trusting in him, and are you being generous? And this is what I'm going to use for our benediction today. It's from 1 Chronicles 29, where David says, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel. 
Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Have a great week.